Welcome to season two, episode 13 of Disrupting Recruitment. On this week's episode, we will be talking with John Shintanarode from Recruiting Accelerator. If you're in a staffing firm, trying to start a staffing firm, interested in starting a staffing firm, this is the episode for you. We're gonna be looking at ways to get into the industry, how you can get started while you still have your nine to five, things like automation, client acquisition, candidate placements, and a whole lot more. Stay tuned. We are back for another episode of Disrupting Recruitment with John. John, I should have asked you how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> yeah, it looks intimidating. It's fairly phonetic. So Chintana Road. So John Chintana Road is me. There, there you go. So John is going to talk a lot today about some recruitment strategies and things that he does with a lot of staffing firms. So John, why don't you introduce yourself for those that uh, may not know who you are, and then we'll dive right into some amazing topics. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me here, Brad. So my background has been about 10, 10 years or so in both corporate and agency recruiting. And I worked my way up the ranks, started with entry-level staffing, and then worked my way through to like boutique agencies. And I, I did in-house at Google did tech recruiting, and then eventually I started my own agency. Did, did that for a number of years, grew that business. And then towards the end of that, I actually uh, sold, sold my part of the business. And a lot of my old coworkers started reaching out and asking me to give them some pointers on how they can branch out on their own. They saw what I was doing, and I fell in love with coaching just by helping them. And so that kind of coaching side hustle, I suppose, I was doing for a little while, grew into uh, what we have now, which is uh, our program is called Recruiting Accelerator. And over the last three years, three to four years, we've helped like over 200 people now, like actually launch their own recruiting business and help them get clients leveraging some really neat automation marketing tools and different strategies that really traditional recruiters have just never been exposed to. So I think we're looking forward to getting into that stuff. And the idea is that like we help them launch and they get at least one or two placements a month consistently. And then we have our backend program called the Inner Circle, really for people who are more advanced. Maybe people have already launched and they already have their own business, but they are looking to really scale up. And there we get into leveraging not just tools, but like human capital, how to hire virtual recruiters, managing that, that whole process too. So that way, at the end of the day, you have this really efficient system where you're, you've scaled up and leveraged automation and marketing automations fully. And then you've leveraged like a team of virtual resources, virtual recruiters. And that way you can ultimately like work on the business, right? Not in your business. And I think a lot of uh, people who do start their own recruiting business, they end up being the, their own bottleneck. They hit, they hit a, an income ceiling pretty quickly where they're like, hey, I can't take on any more job orders. I'm like slammed. And because they don't know how to um, implement systems to solve for that, they get stuck at, and they, usually they do pretty well. They're still making good money, but they're not having a lot of fun and they're busy, right? Yeah, that, I yeah. spent six years in the agency world and, and I know what you're talking about there. Yeah, it's, yeah. You're, you're basically trying to, you're, if you're, especially if you're doing 360 and you're trying to sell mm -hmm. to new clients, then you're trying to fill the orders and it's like this constant back and forth. And so we obviously are big fans of automation with, with Candidate Hub. So I'm excited to get into some of that. I was looking through your, your LinkedIn profile and stuff. And I, one of the things I saw you talking about is figuring out your niche. And one thing that I've noticed is that agencies that focus on um, a niche or a very specific industry tend to do better, unless you're a brand stat, they tend to do better than those that are trying to be everything to everybody. 
Talk to me a little bit about why you think it's important for staffing firms to focus on specific niches or specific verticals. Sure, absolutely. And it's super important, right? And we actually have a niche discovery process. We work with people who just aren't sure if they're like most agency recruiters, they've covered so many different job boards that they literally say, I can work on almost anything, right? I'll take any job order, um, which sounds nice because you can imagine casting a wide net, getting more job orders, but it's extremely inefficient and difficult to market that way. Because at the end of the day, it's important to have a niche because hiring managers want to work with a specialist, not a generalist. Just the same way as if you had a very specific health issue, you want to go see a specialist, not like the general practitioner doctor, right? You want to see, all right, if you have a bad knee injury, you want to see like an orthopedic doctor, right? So same way, right? Hiring managers don't want to talk to a recruiter that can place a software engineer, but also a salesperson, but also an accountant and also a uh, front desk person because they're like, okay, which you can't be great at all those things. And also I think when people are first starting to become even like an independent recruiter doing it on the side, and I think a lot of uh, people think that they have to go all in or nothing. Like they have to quit their nine to five job and then start their own recruiting business or stay at their nine to five job. But a lot of, most of what we teach is actually doing this on the side. Like under the radar, we have a thing called stealth mode where you can just basically launch without advertising on LinkedIn or having your info on your website and just like making sure you don't step on toes, of course, don't reach any non-competes and, and we help people around that. But the one that, when they do branch on their own, to stand out in this really crowded marketplace, a very competitive marketplace, you have to just pick your wheelhouse and say, this is what I specialize in. Because you've spoken to hiring managers, right? How long does it take them to figure out whether or not you know their world and their hiring pain? Like 30 seconds, right? Oh, yeah. You know, they, yeah. yeah. They look at the, your expression on your face and they start talking about high level things and requirements and, and projects and your eyes glaze over even just a little bit. They're like, oh, this person doesn't know. And then they're not going to work with you. Yeah. And it's the same with candidates. If you don't know mm -hmm. the industry and you're trying to talk to candidates and recruit them, they're like, who the hell is this bozo? Right? You're a stranger reaching out to them. Absolutely. Yeah. And good recruiters get people within minutes to tell you things that they normally only tell their wives, how much money they're making and why they hate their job. I remember, yeah. I remember recruiting one time and helping out a, a colleague who was not in the industry that I'm used to. And honestly, when I was calling candidates, I was like, look, I'm just helping out here. I know nothing about this. I don't know what this acronym means. I don't like, and, and luckily the candidates were pretty, pretty forgiving for that, but you couldn't get away with it all the time. One thing that's really impressed me with like certain program members, like they'll join a program with zero recruiting experience and they want to go into something very specific like cybersecurity. And I'm like, boy, this is okay, but let me just set expectations. It's going to be tough. You have a lot, a big learning curve. And this one woman in particular, Joy uh, Maxi, she's one of our um, case studies on our website. Like she did it. She's learned cybersecurity. She's watched YouTube videos and it took her like a week just to binge watch YouTube videos on and then Google search just different topics. She really wanted to get into it. And now she places IT cybersecurity people with zero technical background. So I guess that that was an interesting insight for me that like you can learn a niche if you really just want to dive into it. And also, I think a lot of people who are afraid of picking a niche because they think they're going to pigeonhole themselves into that vertical only. But the way I see it, what we teach is that your niche is just your entry point into that client, right? So let's say you you want to focus on software engineers, but specifically uh, cloud-based engineers. If you go in there and fill that one role and they fill the AWS Rockstar and they love you, 
what's going to happen. They're going to roll out the red carpet and open up other job boarders. Say, hey, could you mind yeah. taking work, taking a step at this network engineer? Can you take a step at this technical account manager? This is a little bit outside your wheelhouse, but if you find us a, a software architect, so you'll naturally organically spread your, your footprint within that client base. So your niche is just your entry point for you just to get your foot in the door. Right. Yeah, we when I was in the staffing world, we focused on heavy equipment mechanics, and mm -hmm. that's how you would get in the door. You're like, hey, yeah. I have this rock star mechanic. Are you looking for somebody? And you gain a little bit of trust with them. And the next thing you know, you're hiring salespeople and administrative yep. staff and all kinds of stuff. But but yeah, it's absolutely it's absolutely that foot in the door is a good way to describe it. You had mentioned the stealth mode and getting started and then talking about marketing. I find a lot of agencies struggle with marketing. They are trying to market other people's roles, obviously. So it's hard. And a lot of agencies don't want to share the name of the client that they're representing and, and all that stuff. How do you normally talk about marketing with your clients? Because marketing is extremely important and it's different. It, it, mm -hmm. The principles are the same, but it's different marketing for clients versus marketing for candidates. What's your philosophy on that? Like, how do you, how do you guys go about getting clients set up for uh, a good marketing engine? Sure. And a big part of what we do, the main pain we solve for is like a client acquisition, specifically within setting up systems and automation that run on autopilot, right? Whether you have to manually grind out, reach out. And so maybe I'll explain the evolution of our program and how we solved it through every iteration. It might give you some context and the viewers or listeners too. But so when we first launched like four years ago, I had a 1.0 version of my program, which was basically me teaching exactly what I did in my own agency. And I learned from the traditional school and the really traditional coaches where you just pick up the phone and smile and dial. <laughs> All right, you go with NPC candidates, call up, go on job post. The moment they post a new job, you're just picking up the phone, getting past the gatekeeper calling, maybe he's writing some well-written LinkedIn messages and email, emails and just following up, using a couple of tools to find their contact info. And that's that, right? That, and that works really well if you have three, four hours a day and you're good on the phone, you're good with writing and you're like tenacious with following up. And that's how I grew my agency, just on that kind of 1.0 traditional method. And the reason why I use that method is because it's the only thing I knew. Like the world of, you ask why don't I think agency recruiters leverage more marketing? It's because we're never taught that. Mm -hmm. I've never been in any recruiting job over the last 10 years where like, hey, by the way, let's teach you how to do B2B automation. Let's show you how to set up these campaigns and sequences. It's more like, all right, cool. Good morning. You got your coffee. Cool. You got eight hours. Pick up the phone and start start reaching out. I want to see X number of candidate submittals, X number of dials, right? And then they're just measuring your output as a human machine. And that's what everyone does. And it works, but I think people are trying to see that it's getting diminishing returns, right? And so when people who are experienced recruiters reaching out to us, and we, and we talk to a lot of them, they'll say, hey, I'm really good on the phones. I'm not afraid to take sales calls. I'm really great with candidates. I just have no idea how to set up any type of LinkedIn automation, any type of thing that I know other people are doing. And I know by me not leveraging that those type of tools, I'm at a disadvantage. And I don't want to be fighting an uphill battle, right? What ended up happening was I went from 1.0 to 2.0 because one guy asked for a refund. Uh, his name is Ryan. I'll, I'll never forget it. But he goes, hey, John, I, and we offer a money-back guarantee, which is if you follow our six-month program, you don't make at least one new placement and make your money back and then some, we'll give you your money back. And he goes, hey, John, I really tried everything and I, I want a refund. And I looked at everything he did. He actually implemented all the work, but he was so busy. He, he had his nine-to-five job, three kids. 
and was able to crank out maybe an hour a day-ish, right? And that wasn't enough to move the needle by doing the 1.0 manual reach out. And after I, oh my, I was going through the emotions of feeling upset, disappointed, frustrated, I thought to myself, what am I doing that's not making it easier for my people to succeed? That I realized I wasn't leveraging automation, but the problem was I didn't know how to do it. All right, I'm like, oh, I've, I know there's automation, but I don't know how to do it, so how the heck do I help my people? So I'm always trying to focus on client success is number one. So what I did was I actually paused enrollment. I'm like, all right, I'm not taking on any new people. And I just went on like a six month, really like knowledge absorption process where I hired all these marketing coaches. I hired a LinkedIn automation guru who worked for other industries. I hired an email marketing expert who, and, and I worked with some content marketing people all from outside the recruiting industry and then brought it back into my recruiting business, tested everything. Once I cracked the code, then I, I updated the program. It took me eight months to have the 2.0. And so the 2.0 was leveraging LinkedIn automation and email automation and basically sending the really well-written messages to candidates and clients, but then putting it on machine and just sending on autopilot. And then overnight, like results just like happened, like just poured in. It's like if we flipped a switch and all of a sudden we just 20, 20 X their volume that they're able to do every single day while they're sleeping. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm waking up. I'm seeing emails come in from, hey, I'm interested. Sure, let's jump on the call. Yes, I need help. It, it just was overnight. So that's where we did. But what ended up happening too is that now everyone's doing automation, right? So this is maybe six months ago, we started seeing a little bit of diminishing returns. Like with everything, there's a shelf life, right? People are saying, hey, my, I used to get X percent response right now and now it's being half that. So I sat down and I'm like, oh, I see what's going on. Because everyone's doing automation, you have to go meta and say, okay, how else do we stand out? And the same thing, I paused enrollment for six months. I worked with some software developers um, who were doing AI and then some really neat technologies with video. And we rolled out our 3.0 version of Recruiting Accelerator just you know, a couple months ago. And in the 3.0, we leveraged like AI video where we're not just sending messages, we're sending video messages that are highly customized with AI. So that way like, the video says the name of the person, it shows their LinkedIn profile, their company page, their job description that you found, and then like your website homepage. And you, so you create just one template video and then you send that scale using and using AI, you can hyper personalize it. And then that just is working really well and that really, really well now. And eventually that's gonna taper off as more and more people catch on to video AI messages. And then we'll have a 4.0 at some point. But yeah, I guess I'm never content with what we're offering because I always know there's more stuff coming out. So luckily I have a whole team of people where I can just have five coaches plus me who are all specialists, you know, 15 plus years each in their respective fields. And that gives me a bandwidth just to be a product nerd, just test new things and keep pushing the envelope. Yeah, I found a lot of the same sort of thing. Like when we were, when we talked to clients about automation and email marketing and different things like that, a lot of them are, are I found are now actually at the point where they're starting to pay attention to email open rates and click-through rates. Mm -hmm. And they're using some sort of email automation tool, whether it's a MailChimp or something along that line, but we help them take it to the next level of personalization, like you said, which is really important and triggered emails and those sorts of things. The greatest advancement in recruitment technology is here. If you haven't seen Shazam yet, do yourself a favor. Their cutting edge recruitment website tech is making clients across the globe more successful online. Shazami has taken the recruitment industry by storm due to the opportunities it creates and the problems it solves. If you do anything this week for your business, make sure it's booking a time to check out Shazami. 
I, I think automation is uh, something that's really important in any business, but in, in recruitment, it's particularly important. And what we what I've seen for automation in the industry in the past has been really just automating those repetitive tasks throughout the process of hiring, like automating rejection emails and automating scheduling and or just pretty basic email marketing, things like that. But really in the industry where marketing automation really started to take places when a company called Candidate ID took took ground in about 2017. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them. Mm -hmm. They're out of the UK. Uh, they were purchased last year by by ISIM. So it's now ISIM's marketing automation. And of course, we came along in 2020 and following right along in Candidate ID's footsteps. And, and so marketing automation and, and automation in general, I think is extremely important. So I like to see that you're, or I'm glad to see that you're using automation and that personalized outreach with AI and things like that. But do you have any sort of tips on how to dip your toes into automation for somebody that's new to this? Uh, obviously, if they're going through your course, they're going to yeah. learn it uh, extensively. But plenty of our listeners that just want to dip their toes in and what to look for when they're looking at because there's a ton of tools obviously i would love people to look at candidate hub or look at your yeah. platform but there's a ton of tools out there what what sort of tips would you have for recruiters that really want to start getting into the world of automation yeah so i think kind of two things one is like the mindset uh, of it and getting over some of the common kind of concerns i hear people have about automation so i'll talk about that and the second thing outside of mindset is like the how-to and the tactical, like how to actually implement it, which is in and of itself has its own um, challenges as well to overcome. But for mindset, like I just want to touch on that briefly because a lot of people are like, just, hey, I'm not into automation. I'm not, I'm not and they paint automation as just like spammy, salesy, over-aggressive marketing, and they don't want to have anything to do with that. That's not me. I'm a real person. I care about people. I'm genuine. I, I'm authentic. And Automation seems fake. That's just, I don't want to be that person. I hate getting spam messages. And so they don't even go in there. So the way I, and we had to help a lot of people overcome this, but we said, hey, just let's take a look at what you normally send to your clients or potential clients. What do you normally send to your candidates? And we found that they did send the same type of message over and over again, but they do it by hand. Right. Okay, cool. So let's just take what you already normally send and let's just have, imagine if we hired a full-time assistant and they were spending eight hours a day setting on your behalf, would you be okay with that? They're like, oh yeah, that'd be fine cool, this is the exact same thing, except we're just leveraging a, a tool to do it, which will work more consistently with less human error than a person and a lot cheaper. And then they're like, oh, okay, that's not so bad. But then they're like, LinkedIn doesn't allow automation. What if I get my LinkedIn account banned as a recruiter? That's like a death sentence. And that puts all this fear into them too. So then we have to address that. Okay, sure. Correct. LinkedIn officially doesn't endorse automations, but they allow it. If you go on LinkedIn, type in LinkedIn automation, it's just, you'll see hundreds of pages of people talking about automation and people offering tools and software. If they wanted to shut down automation, and this is what one of the reps of one of the tools we use, she goes, if they wanted to shut us down, they would just go in and shut down anything that has LinkedIn automation on it. And they just can shut down overnight, but they don't because they make millions selling premium subscriptions because people need a higher end, like sales navigator, send out automation at scale, right? Message at scale. You can't do anything with a free account. So that's kind of when I explain that to people. Oh, okay, that's true. If LinkedIn really didn't want to do it, they wouldn't allow it at all. But they just, LinkedIn doesn't want people to abuse it. So then I guess it's when people want to test LinkedIn automation, 
just make sure that you all really understand the safety parameters so that way you're not, you don't fall into the over abusing category, in which case they can slap you in a wrist, restrict your account for a couple of days. Even for a couple of days, that's very painful for a recruiter who uses their LinkedIn every day, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure the tool you're using is cloud-based. It has some safety settings that will, will just not allow you to go above be a certain limit. And the limit will depend based on how old your account is, the age of your account, the volume you're normally used to sending, right? So just make sure you do it carefully. And it can get tricky because people can just spend hours and hours, if not weeks, going down different rabbit holes, watching webinars for like different tools, and then trying to piece them together their own game plan. They end up just getting announced paralysis. And I talk to people, yeah, I've been looking into automation and marketing stuff for eight months now. I'm like, cool. How many potential clients have you reached out to? Oh, oh none yet. I'm still trying to analyze, I'm still trying to figure it out, right? I'm like, okay, this person's never going to get anything done. They're just going to, like, they, they've stalled out, right? And so, and of course, the best way through that is to have someone show you. Just find someone, it doesn't have to be a me or you. It can be just anybody that, that knows it, that can teach you and they can support you and it can be there. And so when you're not afraid to reach out to you a couple of times a week with questions, it can hold your hand because it is tricky, right? But with LinkedIn, it's great because LinkedIn has a high open rate when you use automation. It's social, they see your profile. People just have a higher open rate with LinkedIn, but LinkedIn, because they own their own platform, they can control how many reach outs you use. So you can't send that high volume with just one profile, right? We do have a strategy called an avatar profile. So what happens is let's say someone's, you know what, no matter what, I do not ever want to use my LinkedIn because I do something, I do other things too. I do some consulting. I do, I have a brand and they, they just don't want their profile being used for recruiting specifically for no problem. Just let's set up another profile. Uh, make sure it's a real person, though. We call it an avatar profile, right? Like it can be a spouse, cousin, friend, someone that doesn't have a LinkedIn profile or someone that doesn't really use one. And then you can brand them and have them be like the like the name and face of your your business and then have them reach out and you can book calls on your behalf, right, through them. And a lot of people like that. Or, and especially if they have a nine-to-five job. Like, look, I'm working a nine-to-five and the last thing I want is to accidentally message somebody who I know, who knows my boss or something like that and it gets back and I get in trouble. So if you have that fear, you're listening to this, you can just set up a profile with a spouse and have them reach out. And then when a a potential client replies back, you can just take a moment, check their profile, make sure that they don't know anyone at your company, you just vet them, and then you can take a call. So that's a common process we teach as well. Uh, And with email automation, to set that up, the how-to, that's tricky, right? Because if you're not careful, you can just, it's like a one-way ticket to spam, right? Because email servers are very smart. So if you're not sh- properly setting up your email servers, you're not properly warming up your domain, right? So we tell people, hey, if you want to launch an email campaign tomorrow, you can't do it. You have to warm it up for a period of time, two, three, four weeks. Bef- and that way you uh, warm up the servers, warm up the email address, it's, it's healthy, and then you can launch campaigns. But that process is technical as well, and it's easy to mess up. And if you do it, and God forbid you do it on your own domain, and not you, you don't know how to set up what we call burner domains, then you can affect the delivery based score of your real email. It's tricky. And so because of all the technical components, people just like, I just, I know I need it, but I'm not, I know I can't figure it out myself, nor do I want to try. So I'll just, you know, take my money and let me show me how to do it. We'll just follow your blueprint. I want the easy button, right? So that's what we <laughs> offer because it is tricky. And then what happens is if, and even if they try for a couple of days, the moment they get busy, they have job orders, what are recruiters, where, where are they taught every single day at their uh, jobs, right? For year one, they're taught focus on what's closest to the dollar. And so the moment they get a few, some couple hot job orders, then all that stuff about automation, all the testing, all the, it goes out the window, just go back to their old way of doing things. 
and it never actually level up. But with marketing, right, the last thing I'll say is that I found that what's best for business growth is to actually focus on what's furthest from the dollar. Instead of just being tunnel vision, working on just the job boards on your desk, actually focus on bringing in new potential clients, and the, which is far from the dollar. But if you focus on that and you do that right, everything will trickle in, right? You'll be able to then upgrade your clients versus just working on the same stale job where it's been open for months because you don't know how to get good clients. You're taking discount fees because you don't have an abundance of opportunities. And they're like, oh, John, these three clients, like, they're, they're really hard to get a hold of. They ghost me. I have to follow them all the time. They're like always pushing me on price. I have to compete against all these other agencies. This is a nightmare scenario. And the only way to get out is to by flooding their calendars with new calls with great clients who, you know, potential great clients, but they don't know how to do that. So without having a, a switch or lever they can pull, they're stuck just working off referrals or doing the old school way of marketing. And it's tough, right? And then they end up giving up or failing. And, and so that's, and I had to learn all this myself the hard way, right? So that's yeah. been our process, if that makes sense. And once you've been through that school of hard knocks, you learn all of the how-tos are important, but the what-nots to do are, are just as important. And if you have that sort of those battle scars, it definitely makes you better coach. Yeah, I think with LinkedIn, I think recruiters are a funny breed, right? And we are because, and myself included, because we're like perfectionists, right? People pleasers. We want to help connect people. Mm -hmm. We want to do a really good job. And the last thing you want to do is be seen as like bad or wrong or have a reputation or our, yeah, who we are, like our name sullied. And for that reason, I think when people try to do like automations and stuff, they're like, I have to, if you do it wrong, then the opportunity cost is high, right? Because imagine setting up a campaign where your messaging is not that great and you send it to a list of like 500 potential clients. But guess what? Like now you've burned your first impression, right? Now if you want to re-engage, it's very hard because they can just see on the LinkedIn thread. Oh, hey, I know it's John again. I reached out to you a few weeks ago. Do you want to talk now? And they're like, they can see that we passed on you, right? So they're like, why would you re-engage? So once that door is shut, it is hard to reopen. And even though there's, you know, there's tons of potential clients out there, everyone's hiring, there's always a demand for good talent. There's only a finite number of like ideal, perfect clients in your niche, in your area that would be like A plus clients. And so if you do this, if you reach out to them, try your best to like make the first good impression. That's what I think everyone's trying to do. And if you do it wrong, you're burning through opportunity costs. You never know which hiring manager is going to end up being not just a client, but like a key account that gives you repeat job orders for years that you'll be making $100,000, $200,000 worth of placements and you know, fees and putting that in your pocket over a couple of years. You never know which one's going to turn into that huge money-making client that you'll, that'll be your like bedrock of your portfolio of clients. You never know who's that, who that's going to be. It's important to be able to make a good first impression by doing it right the first time. I guess all that's to say that like, Testing and not doing it right or making some mistakes is expensive in this business because it's so competitive that there's not much wiggle room for error. Mm -hmm. The margin of error is low. One little thing, one mistake with your sequence, like one like message that, you know, yeah, just any mistake has a high cost, especially when you do it at scale. Automation is really just a amplifier of what you do. If you have a really good process and everything, good process and you amplify it, you're going to kill it and do great and crush it. If you make mistakes and you then you, you scale those mistakes and automate it, then it's going to cut the other way. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's it's just like cooking with wine, right? A lot of people mm -hmm. say, Less, I don't really like wine. I, this wine, I'm going to save it for cooking. Once you start cooking with it, it intensifies the flavor. So you want to cook yeah. with good wine. And it's the same thing with automation. Like Before you get into automation, you need to have your process down because if you're 
screwing it up and then you put automation on top of it. And now you're screwing up on scale. <laughs> so you you could right. do a lot of damage to your brand, like you said. Yeah, but when it's done, it's great because oh, people are programming. What's happening is that they just, they're, they're like, hey, John, I just wake up and I'll open my calendar and I see these appointments pop up on my calendar that I don't know who they are, but I know that they saw the automation, they clicked on the calendar link to book a call. And then eventually when they hire, we teach them how to hire virtual recruiters, they actually go and do the sourcing, pre-screening, even submitting the candidates on your behalf to your clients. So that way, like, they completely take over the account management for you if you'd like. Um, or if you have 10 clients, you keep like the top three, like your A-plus clients you manage, and the bottom seven clients you can outsource to a virtual recruiter who will just take them off, take it off your plate. So then they can just check out their candidate pipeline, see new candidates at different interview stages, pop like, whoa, I woke up, I got two new first interviews, and I don't even know who these people are, I just know that they're in a the pipeline, that's awesome. Like, then all of a sudden, that now they can just actually scale their business, bring on new clients because they have a process on how to get clients and how to manage uh, delivery. They can scale deliver, d delivery with people, but doing that's tricky too, because otherwise, if you don't know how to do that, you're hiring the wrong people, it becomes a management nightmare, a training nightmare, and it becomes more of a bandwidth suck than it is like a boost to your business. So you have to do that right too. And also margin of error is a little bit small because we all know the cost of a bad hire, we're all recruiters. So yeah, you have to nail that process down right too. It's hard to figure out as well, unless yeah. you have someone like at least help you out in the beginning. So you had mentioned how recruiters live on LinkedIn and, and we all know that recruiters live on LinkedIn. And I think the reason that recruiters rely on LinkedIn so much is because they don't trust their own database because mm -hmm. it goes out of date like a computer, right? You buy a computer next week, it's out of date. But I think it's really important. And that's one of the things that we do with our clients is to do a wake the dead campaign and revive their applicant tracking system. And what are your thoughts on, on having a good, strong database as a recruitment agency? And, and how do you work with your clients to, to ensure that candidate pool is is up to date and ready to go yeah so we actually i see that more of a level two problem where it's you have to be at a place where you have so many candidates that becomes tracking that becomes difficult because you have such high volume and the only way to really have that as a as an independent recruiter or someone who just launched their own recruiting business is by having lots of clients and job orders because you're submitting so many candidates against that but most people don't even get there so it's 80 percent of people don't even get to that place so then we don't really help the only people that we help solve for that are people in our inner circle program, which is designed just for people who are already established and successful as an agency. At They're that point, scale, then, yeah. yeah, and exactly. And then having all, when they have a big pool of candidates, it's important yeah, absolutely to, to manage it, be able to send mass SMS messages, um, follow-up sequence for them to check in with their job. All the stuff that we would love to do if we had all the time in the world as a recruiter, which is I love to touch base and give a call to every candidate I've ever spoken to every three months, see how they're doing. That's not, that's not doable, right? Um, when you're busy, but having the automations and the right tools, I'm sure your, and your tool looks great for that. Um, just solves that for you. So you just sends a, a check-in message for them and they can pop back up on the radar, right? So that's, uh, we do help with that for the most part though, for most people looking just to get started or people who just launched, they can just match their candidates on the spreadsheet or like a folder of resumes because they don't have, because usually what they're recruiting for is so specific that they're not like 50 people that can do the job. There's like maybe 12, right? And of those 12, maybe you're talking to three. So it's pretty easy to manage at a low volume because when you're just starting out, as like the shelf life of a good candidate is like, what, a couple of weeks tops? Right? Mm, if you yeah. get lucky and you, and you catch them at the beginning of their search, right? It's usually they're like already 
interviewing with a bunch of companies. So you only have a few days before they're like, hey, at this point, I'm in the final rounds. I'm not going to take on any more interviews. So for most people, they have to go out and like fish for new talent all the time because if they found someone who's great and that person took a job, that person's probably not going to be back on the market for another year, right? If they're good, right? If they're, yeah. unless they're a job hopper, which is bad and you don't want them anyway. So we teach more of a proactive, here's how you go out and leverage tools like Boolean search to uh, once you exhaust LinkedIn for your sourcing, how to target other pools, pools of candidates, find them through Boolean, advanced stuff like that. So that way, when your clients say, hey, it's been two, it's been a week, do you have any more cans for me? You're not stressed because you know how to look outside of LinkedIn. I think that's the more important skill early on. But until you have a ton of candidates, then of course, you have to organization and, and management becomes important. Yeah. Late game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Airtable is actually a really good tool for companies that have that smaller database size. They actually have a free ATS template that you can use. So uh, I've used it in the past. It's, it's actually pretty good. If you're an independent recruiter out there and you're managing everything on a Google Sheet, go check out Airtable because they have, they have a pretty cool ATS that you can use uh, for free. Yeah. So check that out. So Thanks a lot, John. It was great to have you on here. If there's any recruiters out there thinking that sounds really good and I could use some help because we all need coaches, even Tiger Woods had a coach. How do they get a hold of you? Sure. They can check, look me up on LinkedIn, John Chintanero. That's hard to spell. So they can probably just look up a recruitingaccelerator.com. They can Google us and I recommend just checking out our case studies or my LinkedIn recommendations. Try to find one or two people who have had success with a program that have a similar background to you. We've helped people across every niche and you can check out the, my interview with them and see their journey and how they transition from where you might be now to a place where they're making more money and working less hours and having fun and living the dream because it's hard to actually picture yourself doing it. But when you see other people do it, you're like, oh shoot, this, I have way more recruiting experience than this person. And, but they just did it. They just branched on their own and now they're keeping, they're now they're doing the exact same number of placements, but now they're keeping the entire 25K, 30K fee and they're working fewer hours doing it. Yeah. It's, it seems almost too good to be true. When, even when I talk about it just now, it seems like too good to be true. Work 10 hours, 20 hours a week and, and make 25K placement and put it in your pocket. But we have people doing it every day. It's just, but when you see people do it, that's when you're like, okay, that disbelief gets less and less. And yeah, actually reality, it actually becomes more of a reality and that gives people inspiration. So hopefully that yeah. does uh, for you guys as well. well. We'll make sure we tag your LinkedIn profile on the post when we put it out. Thanks a lot. It was great yeah. to have you on. Lots of great strategies for agencies out there, people looking to get into the industry. So thanks a lot. It was, it was great. Thanks, Brad. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me.